0: Hey, everyone, and Merry Christmas. My name is Chad. I'm the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. And if you're watching this on Christmas Day, then I hope you're having a really great day. If you're watching it after Christmas, then let me say I hope that you had a really good Christmas. Either way, thank you for spending a little bit of time watching this. I hope that this sermon, this small sermon, will help you to rejoice during the remainder of the Christmas season, Christmas time. If you didn't know, Christmas time actually extends past Christmas in the liturgical calendar. And so if you're watching this on Christmas and you think, well, everything you said, I haven't done any of that. Well, it's not too late because this is about rejoicing and there's still plenty of time left for you to rejoice about the birth of Jesus. Now, some of you know this, but I've had uh, some health issues the past few weeks. It started with just a kind of normal cold flu kind of thing, lasted a few days, but I tried to push through it, had a couple of meetings, and uh, these glands underneath my tongue swelled up and my throat was shot and it was a struggle to talk, and so that set me back a handful of more days. And then after that, uh, and I'm still kind of going through this now, I've had a bout with uh, dizziness, and so it's been kind of crazy for me, but one of the good parts of that is that I have watched so many Christmas movies. Like, so many Christmas movies. I've seen basically every Hallmark-style movie that is uh, on the internet right now that's available for watching, and I've watched a bunch of the Christmas classics, and I've just watched so many Christmas movies. And in most of them, there is an antagonist who is trying to destroy Christmas, whether they know it or not. Let me read you uh, some of the names of these people, these individuals, these things that are trying to destroy Christmas. For example, The Grinch, Mr. Potter, who I think is the absolute worst, Buddy's dad, an elf, The Neighbors and Christmas with the Cranks, Arnold or Sinbad, depending on your perspective, and Jingle all the way, Professor Hinckley, everyone who says you'll shoot your eye out, Marv and Harry, Scrooge or the Grinch, Every current boyfriend that is thinking about proposing in Hallmark-style movies. And the list could go on and on and on. There's always somebody who stands to ruin, to thwart, the joy and happiness of the Christmas season. In the book of Revelation, there is one that seeks to do the same. And that is the dragon. Now this dragon isn't accurate, so I'll read about him later. He's read in the book of Revelation and uh, has a bunch of heads and some horns, but uh, this is the only dragon we had laying around. But in the book of Revelation, you may not know that there is a Christmas story of sorts, and I want to share it with you today. But in that Christmas story, the dragon plays the role of Mr. Potter or Marvin Harry and really seeks to destroy Christmas and all that it can accomplish. But as I say that, you think, wow, that doesn't sound like a very Christmassy Christmas sermon. Here we are in our pajamas watching Chad give a little sermon and he's going to talk about a dragon trying to destroy Christmas. But here is the good news. Like all of those movies I've just mentioned, this Christmas story in the book of Revelation has a happy ending. And the happy ending is simply that the dragon cannot, did not and cannot destroy what Christmas is all about. And therefore, you'll see this in the passage, we can and should rejoice in the birth of Jesus. Today's sermon is on Revelation chapter 12. And like I said, it's it's a warning. It's a warning about the dragon, but also it is a passage that calls us to rejoice. And here's the simple truth. Since the birth of Jesus Satan has been fighting against the work of Jesus. But Jesus wins and we should rejoice. Here's how it starts. Revelation 12:1 through two. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. The woman in this passage is Israel. That's what it represents. And that's not a surprise because often in the Bible, a woman is used in order to represent a nation as a whole. Now, some people would say that this points to uh, God's people in general, but I think it's best to see it as Israel. And you can even see this connection going all the way back to Genesis 37 9. And there, this man named Joseph has a dream, and in his dream, he describes his dream this way I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Israel may even uh, be referred to as the mother of the Messiah in the book of Isaiah. But what Jim McGuigan says here I think is really uh, neat. He says that this woman here wears 12 stars worked into a wreath of victory. And so here are the 12 stars that are this wreath of victory. These 12 stars probably represent the 12 tribes of Israel, and thus the woman represents Israel as a whole, who brings Jesus into the world. Now within this, there may be a picture of Eve, the mother of all humanity, and Mary, the physical mother of Jesus on earth. And we know that much of Israel rejected Jesus, but they are the nation who brought him to Us who delivered him into the world. And in fact, the labor pains that are described in this passage probably show us how much they longed for the work that Jesus, the baby born at Christmas, would do. They longed for him. They were desperate for him. And then Jesus Shows up on the scene. Now I want to make this a Christmassy Christmas sermon for you. And so I think it's like, it's like that gift that you've longed for, that you've waited for, that you've been desperate for. You think it's coming. And then at some point you get to rip the bag open or the box open, the Christmas wrapping open, and you finally get the thing that you have longed for. That is what Jesus was for the Israelite people. They brought him into the world. They longingly waited for him and expected for him and hurt for his presence and the work that he would do on earth. But listen to what we see next in Revelation 12. Revelation 12, three through four, then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 thorns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. I've already talked about this dragon and I would like to point out again that it's red and the red very well may symbolize the murderous ways of Satan. This dragon represents Satan and colors in the book of Revelation. I hope you know this by now. They represent different things, different aspects of the story in this apocalyptic book, and red probably refers to the murderous or bloody ways of Satan, that he wants to devour and destroy people. The ten heads are connected to an Old Testament prophecy in the book of Daniel that describes political or military might and so we see that this dragon has come with power and he wants to destroy the baby the baby being Jesus and he sweeps this this group of stars and and this might uh, and they fall and this might represent angels who become demons we kind of know that story and the next section of revelation actually supports that idea but more importantly the child is jesus and the dragon is trying to destroy him immediately here's the deal the goal of satan has always been and always will be to destroy the work of jesus to stop the mission of jesus to thwart All that began on that very first Christmas. The dragon wants to destroy the redemptive purposes of God. He wants to destroy the work of Jesus. I want to take a minute here and, and pause and I want to read with you. From Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. This is a tradition in my family to read this story uh, as we celebrate Christmas. And so now uh, as these words come up, I would I would offer to you that you can read them along with me if you want to. But I would also tell you, as you hear them or as you read them, I would say, look for the ways that it that it was that it was it's where you see how Jesus could have been destroyed if it wasn't for the providence of god right from the beginning you can see even in this luke 2 story like some things that make it hard for the work of jesus to even begin on that first christmas here it is luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 20 read with me if you want in those days caesar augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire roman world this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of syria And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. As we read that, I just want to point out a couple of clues to you where where maybe, you know, Satan was working to try to end this child before his mission could begin. I mean, there is the census which sends Mary and Joseph on this long trek. There's the lack of room for them in the end. There's the poverty of Mary and Joseph. There's the baby being wrapped in cloth. He is put in a feeding trough. All of these things we know now, especially as modern readers, were probably not good for the health and the survivability of this baby. But even more specifically, when you read the story in the book of Matthew, listen to this. Matthew 2.16, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and his vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. I mean, this is awful. This is worse than Mr. Potter, who I think is the worst of all Christmas antagonists. I mean, this is... This is a man named Herod killing all the babies because he wanted to get rid of Jesus. And you might go, wow, what could produce that level of evil? Satan. He wanted to thwart the plans of God. He wanted to thwart the mission of Jesus. He wanted to end that mission before it even started. From the very first Christmas, Satan has been trying to stop the work of, of God, the mission of God. Revelation 12:5. she gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. I've already mentioned that this child is Jesus, but here's proof. And how is this proof? Well, listen to Hebrews 1, eight, but about the son, he says, your throne, O God will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. The word rule there might be connected to shepherding. I just think that's really cool because Jesus is the great shepherd. But even more, I need to point out that snatched up sounds really negative. I have a baby Jesus here. I don't even know if you can see it. Let me put down his manger. Uh, But here is a a baby Jesus from one of our nativity sets. And, And when you read snatched up, it's like he just went up immediately. But within this little section of the book of Revelation, we in some ways see the entirety of the gospel story. Here's the dragon who wants to destroy the baby. And it seems like no match, but yet the baby is victorious. And he is not victorious uh, in a simple, you know, one day kind of thing, like he survived being born. But yet it is through the entirety of the gospel that we see the victory of the baby over the dragon. You see, Snatched Up tells us you know, so many things about the end of Jesus' life on earth. As we maybe know, Jesus was born. He was laid in that manger. And then he lived. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He lived perfectly. He loved people. He healed people. He taught people. He ministered to people. And then at the end, he was crucified and nailed to a cross. He died for all of our sins. But three days later, he came back from the dead and he showed himself to a whole bunch of people, including his disciples. And then later, he was snatched up into heaven. He ascended into heaven. And so in this little phrase, we see like the entirety of the life of Jesus described and the way in which he obtained victory over the dragon, over Satan and what Satan wanted to do. The baby lived, he died, he rose and he ascended. He was snatched up into heaven where he rules and reigns victorious for all of eternity. Mike all my professor, who I've quoted a lot as we've gone through the book of Revelation together, says, Therefore, wherever we look, the mystery of Christmas is linked to the danger and to the ancient conflict between good and evil. Isn't that incredible? I mean, we can look at the Christmas story and it's this nice story and it's it's neat with the angels and the shepherds and, and the wise men who probably came later. But the wise men and, and Mary and Joseph and they're surrounded by the animals and everybody's, you know, cooing and happy and, and got the googly eyes over the little baby. And we got the nativity scenes. But but what we sometimes forget in the nativity scene is that somewhere in the back of that scene is the dragon trying to prevent the work that the baby came to do. Here's here's the deal. I mean, this dragon, Satan, he, he tried to destroy the angels. He sweeps a third of them from heaven. He tried to destroy Israel. He tried to destroy the child and none of it worked. And so here is the question I have for you. How does he try to stop How does he try to stop the work of Jesus now? How does he try to ruin what Christmas represents and stands for and what it can do in our lives? And the answer to that is he tries to destroy you and me. That's the warning of this passage for us today. Satan could not destroy Israel. He could not destroy the baby Jesus. And so he tries to destroy us. Listen to Revelation 12, 17. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. If you are a Christian, then you are the offspring of that child of Israel. You have been adopted into the family of God. And so Satan is waging war against you. He could not destroy Israel. He could not destroy Jesus. And so he tries to destroy you. This is a warning. Listen to Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Satan is waging war against your soul. But here's the good news. What happens next in this story is that the dragon goes into heaven and he starts this war. And we're not meant to try to grab the details of this passage and say, oh, this goes here and this goes here. But rather we are Meant to see that Jesus, that baby, is still victorious and always will be. Listen to this, what this one author said. He said, The man-child is the conqueror. The thing which the saints must remember is that the devil couldn't defeat their master here on earth. And he surely can't beat him now. If we will cling to Jesus, if we will come to Jesus and cling to Jesus, then the dragon will never defeat us because our king and father is ultimately victorious. Before we lead this, I want to point out one more thing that, that we must take this seriously. Listen to Revelation 12, 9. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. The goal of Satan is to lead the world astray. But if you will hold tightly to Jesus, then he cannot defeat you. Now there's a warning in that, right? But listen to Revelation 12, 10 through 12, because this is where we see a picture of rejoicing. Revelation 12, 10 through 12 says, now have come the salvation and the power in the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. This is a beautiful passage, and I hope that you notice some of the beautiful language within it. Salvation, power, triumph, and rejoice. You see, because our Jesus has conquered and will conquer the dragon, Satan, and the work that he wants to do. If we cling to him, we too will be victorious over the work that Satan wants to do. And Christmas can be the true beginning for us with salvation, power, and triumph, and everything else that he brought through his birth, life, death, and resurrection. And we can rejoice because of the victory that Jesus has earned on our behalf. From the very first Christmas, Satan has been fighting to destroy Jesus and the work that he wants to do in your life. Before we close, I, I think of one more Christmas story, and that is The Nightmare Before Christmas. You see, Jack discovers, if you know the story, Jack discovers the beauty of Christmas by entering into Christmas Town. He tries to capture this beauty and all of this joy by changing a bunch of external things. He really tries to turn Halloween Town into Christmas Town, but none of it really works. And Jack continues to feel like something is off. Now in that story, he just gives up and goes back to being a Halloween guy. But what Jack really missed is that we can celebrate and rejoice in the Christmas story, not when we change our external circumstances, not when everything goes perfectly, not when the cake is perfectly baked and the hot cocoa has the perfect amount of chocolate and the lights are perfectly hung and all the Christmas presents are perfectly wrapped and we all get everything we want. That is not what's going to drive us to rejoice during the Christmas season. Instead, it is recognizing the victory of the little baby named Jesus over all that Satan would try to do in our lives. And so this Christmas, I hope you won't be by Jack and try to find, like Jack and try to find all your happiness and your rejoicing and your joy and, you know, fixing or making better your external circumstances, but you would look to Jesus and you would remember that this little baby who was born on that first Christmas, the thing that we celebrate every year during December. He was victorious while he lived. He will be victorious forevermore. And if you will come to him and cling to him, then you will have victory too. And that should call you in your soul to celebrate and to rejoice. It's my hope that this Christmas season, you will rejoice because you will remember that Jesus is victorious. Let me pray that you will. Lord Jesus, it's easy to forget about, you know, this, this war that we couldn't see, that it's, you know, gone on through the ages, Lord, but but has this incredible moment in that first Christmas where where Satan was trying to devour the child, where Satan was trying to, Stop your redemptive work, Jesus. But it didn't work for Satan. He didn't win and he won't win now. And, and God, yet he does, he does lead many astray, Lord. But I pray for those who are watching now and I pray for more and more the loved ones in my life that they would come to you, that they would cling to you, that they would grasp a hold of you, Jesus, that they would hold tightly to you So that Satan wouldn't have victory in their lives. Because when, God, we are on your side, we too are victorious. And Lord, for those of us who are, who those of us who know the victory that you've brought us, the victory in our own lives, the victory over sin, the victory over fear, the victory over shame and guilt, the victory over God, damnation and hopelessness. For those of us that know that victory, God, let us remember to rejoice this Christmas season because we only have that victory through your victory. And that victory began in many ways, Lord, when you came and you were born of a virgin and laid in a manger. And so, God, let us celebrate Christmas not because we love the tinsel and the lights, but let us celebrate and rejoice this Christmas because we know that you have victory and we can have victory through you. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.